Oh yeah! Hey, episode two. Episode Welcome. two. Sonic Truth. Sonic Truth. Nothing gear talk. but gear talk with Tommy. Two thousand two. Tommy. Two thousand two. Where are you? There. Now I tell you, <laughs> Tommy would love to go through some reverb. Oh yeah, I know. We probably should have put him through some reverb for this yeah. episode. You know, maybe we'll do it next time around. Yeah, but he has to earn that because you know. Yeah, Tommy's been a little mm, lately. Yeah. So that brings us up to, um, gosh, last episode we kind of you know briefly reviewed compressors. I know we didn't go into too much everything. I think we missed you know the Fed compressor. You know, we briefly covered. I mean, just, we talked about yeah the the first product we we yeah. ever did as a company. You know, and now we're we're talking about the last the most product, recent <laughs> product. And don't worry, you know, and the Yang, my know? audiophile friends, we'll get deeper into uh, these units uh, the more this podcast grows. So uh, just be patient with us. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm super excited to hear about the uh, the reverb. I know it was released on Halloween this past year. Yep. And, um, you know, the time leading up to that, there was um, a lot of it. There was a, you know, a certain buzz here, you know, amongst all the workers. And just because it's been something you guys, gosh, how long has it been in development? It's been in development since 2018. Ooh. So, yeah, there was a buzz. Yeah. Within our, you know, our customer base, you know, our, you know, you know, the whole Audioscape family from everyone that works here, you know, and our loyal supporters, you know, which we're very grateful for. Um, yeah. And how did that come about? It, when I first used it, you know, when you asked me to test it out two weeks ago and I plugged in some of the work that I've been working on musically. And I'll tell you, man, holy shit. Well, first and foremost, there is no reverb plug in A that can come close to what this offers. Well, yeah, stereo, I mean, anything I'm not stereo. That on your back, but yeah, the unit is pretty badass. Oh, no. <laughs> thanks. I mean, honestly, anything stereo, I feel like it what when you have a stereo effect, it, a lot of times it's really hard to capture that in a, in a digital format, but there's you know, it's just the stereo the way the stereo field is dispersed in an analog unit versus digital, it you know. Yeah, one's in zero, for me. So, yeah. yeah, but anyways. Yeah, we'll get in. That's yeah, we will You know, we'll get into. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's people that'll disagree, but that's cool. Um, anyways, the the product itself started in 2018. Uh, I, at the time, everything born out of necessity. I was really having a hard time getting audio transformers. I'm like, what can I start working on that doesn't use audio transformers? Yeah. It was just, it was that was the basic question, and I was like. And I just started like looking around at different products and reverbs I came on to. I was like, that'd be really cool, you know? Um, and I ran into a thread on a forum back then. And there was this guy who was trying to reboot this old reverb that he had designed back, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s area. And he'd been trying, it looked like for like 10 years, he'd been posting about this. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Um, I reached out and, you know, inquired some more just about the design, just out of, you know, morbid curiosity. And he started describing what the, the spring assembly was, how it's driven, all the, the features. And I was just blown away. 
And, you know, he just started me down this path that, you know, it finally got released, you know, nearly, you know, four years later. What's crazy is you mentioned spring, right? And the first time I heard it, you know, it almost sounded like I was in a gymnasium. I could be in a chamber. I could be in a room. Hell, I could almost make it sound like an echoplex delay if I manipulated enough on the back end. And it just it amazed me when you showed me. I mean, we can get into that a bit later, but it's, you know, you mentioned that it was a spring unit. And I was just like, wow, yeah, I haven't I've, heard one like this. One thing I discovered is, that, yeah, there's a lot of like, I feel like in the recording field and mixing mastering, a lot of, you know, negative views on springs spring reverbs yeah. you know they don't they don't almost to a certain degree view it as a professional device like they would a plate reverb or and i ran into that and i was you know i you know i'm a guitar player so i'm like yeah spring reverbs you know <laughs> totally but i i just it, it caught me a little bit off guard because i was like it's just another tool guys you know like you know like it's like a carpenter going i don't like the hex screwdriver you know like <laughs> Yeah, but okay. there's tech parts that need it. <laughs> you know, when it's there, yeah, you're going to need it, you know, and it's an, it's an excellent tool. But um, this is, yeah, it's a little bit different. We can get into that a little bit later. I know you wanted to talk about just reverbs in general, maybe even a little bit, you know, yeah. brief history reverb. No, absolutely. You know, I mean, the, for, gosh, dating back to when, you know, cathedrals, you know, we could take it back to when, you know, cathedrals were built five, six, seven, eight hundred years ago, um, I do recall the natural reverb that they would offer. You know, I know my father is a music historian. He would much more understand and explain this better. But, you know, at the time there were dueling, dueling choirs on opposite ends of the church. And it wasn't so much about the arrangement or about the, uh, the way that the song was to be sung or the hymn was to be performed, but it was the way that it resonated in that room with the dueling, you know, choirs across from each other in this cathedral with 80 foot ceilings. And, you know, the natural reverb is, you know, the first place you can begin with, you know, that allowed engineers to start capturing that and putting it into, you know, obviously today it's become digital algorithms you know, but back in the day, if you had the opportunity to record in a facility, you know, and there are many out there that will that will review that if you go in there, there's no need for a reverb unit. The room itself will provide oh, you yeah. with that. And it adds to the performance value. Even back then, when you were talking about the cathedrals, yeah. they, they were performing with that in mind. Absolutely. And it changed the performance, you know, obviously for the better, oh. you know. You know, and it and it definitely also it tra- there are trends, right, in music. And you know, we were talking about this the other day how certain genres of music will allow for a demand in certain types of equipment over a certain period of a couple of three years, and then maybe ten years down the road, this equipment comes back because of a new genre has merged or yep. is mixed and matched. And with that becomes obviously different types of reverbs. Um 
and those can come into play of the styles of music. So with the natural reverb, you got plate reverb, you got spring reverbs, you got room reverbs, you got digital reverbs. Um, I know I'm missing a lot here. Don't make me break out my list. I'm going to have to break out my list because... Uh, I mean, yeah, well, you, know. you got rooms, chamber reverb, you know, I'm trying to remember everything you just rattled off right there. Um, but You know, but the, you know. there was always... So let's talk about actually in the studio environment. My first experience with an actual true reverb or actually you know over here let's take it back even more a little bit more the common i'm sorry the common saying of when people are like echo and reverb right the general consumer of music usually gets the two confused right you're like oh the echo you mean like when i'm in the gym that echo I'm like well it's got to be a pretty big gym if you're determining an echo sound but no that's a reverb like reverb what's that i'm like i thought that's what you get in the church well it's the same thing in a gymnasium it's like a reverb or better yet you ever seen the shower that's a reverb right if you got a big enough shower you know um yeah but i believe most people in fact everybody hears reverb every day throughout their lives they just can't ne necessarily describe it or pinpoint it out um that's one cool thing about that kind of rambling here but for the no, most part cool. Going back to the studio, my first experience of a real reverb unit was when I was interning, of course, and they pulled out the 480L Lexicon. And I looked at it, and I'm like, that little thing's a reverb unit? I'm like, it's small. It sits right on top of the desk. How convenient is that? But I still am boggled. How, how's the reverb coming out of that little box? Engineer looks at me and says, you shithead, it's in the rack over here. That's just the remote. <laughs> and let you know my <laughs> nativity for that process. But then... And we all got to start somewhere. Yes, right? You know? So he then turns to me and goes, if you think that blew your mind, he goes, let me show you something else. All right, and this was at Platinum Post. And we're leaving the A room. The A room was a neat VR60 with flying faders. Oh, I love that console. Sounds badass. We walked out of that room. We walked through a little cafeteria room where I made lunch for everybody every day. And then we walked into the video suite. And in the video suite, there is a staircase, a circular, I don't know what's that called, a round staircase that goes up. And we walked into a catwalk above. Now, I don't like heights, but this was doable. It was only about 20 feet up. So we walked over the catwalk and we walked into this room, maybe, I mean, you had to duck down to get into it. And it was maybe four feet wide by about 15 like feet space. long. Yeah. yeah, like a crawl space. We walk in this room and we're following the cables and lo and behold, a plate reverb. A plate reverb, not only a plate reverb, it was the EMT, I believe 140. This thing was freaking huge. Oh, yeah. They're ginormous. Huge. I couldn't believe it. And, of course, I just got done with all my full set classes. I should have known that shit by now. But, no. Not until you <laughs> see it and not until you hear it. Holy cow. Wow. And that, to this day, has been the only time that I've used that specific reverb unit. Wow. Or I've come across, I should say. And, yeah. to the, and that was 20-something years ago. And I've yet to see one in the nature in the world. Out no, there there's since. I, there's some some people I know in the AS fam that uh, they they got some plates, they got some EMTs in that. And yeah, I, I'm still on the lookout for one here. I you know I've, I might put it above our, our bathroom over here. There's a little Be open great. space. Yes, the resonance. <laughs> I'm always thinking about where I could fit a plate anywhere we're at. <laughs> so um, 
Yo, Siri just started to talk to me. Did you hear that, Tommy? Hmm? <laughs> oh, Tommy, you got to defend us, man. Against the machines. Yes. <laughs> How many times you're just sitting here talking and Siri or elect, I don't even want to say her name because she'll start asking questions. But yeah, they're listening to us. They really are. Yeah. But the reverbs, yeah, back to the, uh, you know, the EMT, you just don't see those anymore. Oh, well, and why is that? Well, they're a pain to make. True. Maintain. <laughs> um, there's, you know, they're not really shippable freight. Yeah. Then think of that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I've been mentioned, you know, I, I was mentioning I'm looking it's for probably one, still but- on a cargo ship if you did order one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you're looking, you're sourcing it locally. So, I mean, there's some great sources for plate reverbs and, you know, obviously in the California, Los Angeles area, you know, but in eastern you know Far florida and few in yeah between. so that's that's one reason why you know the the east coast you know some major markets you'll see some plates you know in some great studios but you know they're few and far between you know especially yeah. nowadays you know and you know going back to the discussion of studios you know there was a period of time i believe we're starting to see a resurgence in recording studios hallelujah uh, because there is a brief period of time in the mid 2000s to probably 2018, maybe even a little earlier in the mid 2000s, that major recording facilities were shutting down. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't the fact that they weren't good or they didn't have the proper equipment or the proper acoustics, there just wasn't work. But ultimately, a lot of facilities closed down. But luckily, because of that, a lot of their equipment got dispersed out. And it is still out in the hands of, you know, good engineers yeah, within the marketplace engineers. that are still making it happen. Yeah. You know, but with these studios gone, though, yeah, the equipment may be in the proper hands, but the room sounds. Are we going to be able to get that Motown sound, you know, that they were able to capture back then? You know, yeah. the, is certain the space, yeah. You know, sounds in Memphis, um, Hitsville, USA. It's it was the rooms as much as it was the gear. Yeah. So you can disperse the gear, but you can't disperse the room. room. <laughs> right. You know, and of course the people touching the gear. Um, but again, I think reverbs. You know, there was a time, and this I didn't know this too, when reverbs initially were first introduced. You know, it was introduced, I believe, by Hammond, and it was placed inside his organs. He created it for the purpose yeah. of to replicate the church. Again, we're kind of getting back to this cathedral sound. It's just nature offers beautiful things if structured right. Um, so he put that within the organs, and audio engineers decided, well, let's put that on vocals. Why not, right? Well, at the time, radio... I, I don't know the specifics of it, but when it played back on radio, that reverb sounded like shit. All right. <laughs> I don't know if there was enough bandwidth or whatever. However, that did not happen. So music in the 30s, the 40s, all the vocals are pretty much dry. Yeah. There was no reverb on it. And eventually it got into the point where they figured it out. I don't know what they did. Thank God they did, though. And now we have beautiful reverbs. I'm sure there's someone listen, listening that is knows. totally pimp slapping me right now. Yeah. Saying, dude, listen, you know, break out your history book on this. I get it. I get it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, it brings us though to where I believe in recent years, you know, as a music producer, I've seen a lack of reverbs being used again. You know, I would say more recently it's come back to life, but in the, uh, the late, 90s, early yeah. 2010s, the 90s, you know, there are these trends where reverbs and other pieces of equipment come and go, but reverb plays such an important element if you know how to properly use them. Yes. Too many people will pop it on an aux or probably just pop it on their channel, which I see too many times, which, which is okay. Um, but they'll put it and just do the mix wet blend and done with the day. Or they'll just go to a factory preset because it says vocal reverb and yeah. say, you know what, this is good. It works great. Maybe one out of 10 times that'll work. But I would use that as a starting point. Um, but what is it that you feel is different from a hardware reverb unit, even if it's a digital version like the, the Rollins used to make? I, those are actually pretty cool. Then some of the older ones and to the plugins. Oh, geez. Ah, it's hard to, hard to, you know, quantify. There's some really, first of all, there's some really good plugins, uh, you know, digital reverb plugins uh, in mean, the box, you know. Capital Chambers one is pretty dope. I like yeah, I, I even like Little little Plate by Sound Toys is great, you yeah, know. true. That's a great Apple plug. Boy, I like that. Um, the Halla, you know. Um, yes. That's a great, you know, there's, there's so, is it, I'm sure people, you know. Well, here, let me, this is more of a question than I should ask then. Is it that people resort to using, and this is probably more of a general overall in plugins. I can remember the days of having to recall a mix session to turn the vocals down 2 dB. Okay. It would take two hours to patch everything. It would take that long to recall the faders. If you had automation recall, if you didn't, you had to break out the paper booklet mm -hmm. and stencil in everything and recall every outboard piece of gear like that. And you better hope it all is accurately to the way it was a month or two months ago when you did that first recall. Yeah. So is it a convenience thing? Well, I, th I feel like it, day? It, a lot of digital is obviously convenience, you know, and workflow and, you know, recallability, like you mentioned. But... Uh, I feel like in the case of reverb itself, it's something that it's it's used sparingly, number one. So it's a more subtle effect in most cases. So it's not front and center a lot of times. So True. you a lot of that's why I feel like a lot of hardware has been coming back and reverbs hasn't come back as strong because of just that basic fact that it's something that's typically used sparingly. But if you really, you know, are leaning into a reverb for that sound, you know, having the best representation of that, whether it's, you know, it, it applies, you know, to same as having a hardware opto compressor, right. you know, a, you know, tube compressor. So it's, you know, it's all at the end of the day, it's just, it's case by case basis, you know. Yeah. Um, exactly. And it's all colors too, right? What's yeah. the color are you trying to achieve? But, you know, the uh, the XL305 is pretty badass. It allows you to do a lot. It's very flexible. Um, you know, a lot of times people will put uh, EQ, and I do, you know, there's EQs within the reverb units. Yep. Um, but this EQ, I tell you what, it's, um, wow. I don't know I'm, the correct word. You're just going to have to use it to hear what it does. 
you know, you punch a, it was 600 hertz dial lizard on there, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And you boost that bad boy up on some of those background vocals. Hear what that will do for you. Oh, it is yeah. You can trim some highs, you, you know, boost boost mids, cut mids, whatever on the wet signal. And it's, it's a, it's a, that's a great feature. It's also, I mean, having parallel wet switches and then just what it does with the stereo imaging on the reverb signal itself is to me, like, that's like the number one reason, you know, what you hear coming out of that and the way this particular reverb works on a, you know, mono or stereo signal is something that's a little bit different, you know. Yeah, the, the dimension and yeah. depth on it is woo, beautiful. It's something you can actually hear, close your eyes, and just grab. You know, you can actually pinpoint to it and grab to it. Um, what do we got down here? What are these bad oh, boys? Oh, well, you were talking about the... Uh, you're talking about the Hammond Spring Reverb, and yes. that, this is something very similar to that. Those are a little bit longer, but it's the same principle. It's usually just one sled, and it's got you know usually three springs in it. And a sled? All... You can go snowing with that? And go... yeah, no. A oh. sled's what holds the springs in place. Gotcha. It's got okay. a, you know, gotcha. a transducer and a pickup on the other side there. And you know, in this typical Spring Reverb sled, which is just usually one single sled here, it's got mm-hmm. three springs... They're all uncut and they, you know, they just sort of bounce around there and they create that boingy spring effect, you know, that we're all kind of used to. You can hear yeah, boinging right yeah. now, you know, <laughs> boing. but that's what that is. And so. Interesting. This is, this is, only this is more of a springs in this one here. This is more kind of creating a chamber out of springs. It's, wow. you know, it's. Uh, if you well, can't see, he's holding a, uh, f- it looks like four sleds. Yes, this has four sleds, uh, two sleds per side, left, you know, two, two sleds for the left, two sleds for the right. They're all, they each have three springs each. So you got 12 springs total and they're all like cut. So these, these, these long springs, like you're holding right there, they're cut mm-hmm. to particular lengths, which tunes them to a particular note. Got you. So what makes it unique is the spring timings. They're equally tempered is what they call it. And they follow they follow a log progression very similar to the musical s- scale. Um, now, how, <laughs> how tedious is it to get it's these a, springs? Well, uh, the hardest part of this is Wayne did not go easy on me. He, he made me do the math. And it was all the math that I, I had in college that I was like, when I was in like business calculus, I was like, man, when am I going to ever use this? And well, I got go. to use it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I had to calculate the spring timings and it, it wasn't, he wasn't like here, just cut it to this length. I had to figure it out. He had to, you know, he schooled me basically Oof. in how to do that. So then, uh, you know, I figured it out and came back and he verified, you know, my findings. And we, we basically, we hang these in, you know, each position in order in the sled. So you could see these numbers I have written, you know, right here, out, left, yes. one, five, and nine. So one is like this, this spring and it's cut to this particular length. And so these, basically the left and right it's not like they're mirror image of each other they're not like the same time you're not like two duplicating the same room they're like two separate rooms or two different observation points in the same room very nice so if you like press play and press stop real quick on this reverb and you listen to the the decay back 
you're hearing two different decays, like in the left Occurring and the right. In the left yeah. and the right. Yeah. It's really, it's a, it's a really cool, beautiful sound, you know? You know, and I mean that, and that's beautiful, you know, it, it's beautiful. And what's nice about that is it's more natural too. You know what I mean? How many yeah. times you walk into any room and you're going to have the exact same reference from left to right level in your ears. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, twelve. So twelve springs. They're all their own notes, and they're just tuned together. It's it's really it, yeah. It's a. So when he described this to me, I was like, I, my mind was blown. And it's so this is just its own chamber type or plate kind of sounding device when when used very sparingly. Mm-hmm. And when you start driving it, you can still kind of get that spring sound too. And it, what's amazing about it too is the circuit and the way we worked it is you could take a mono input and it just provides this nice wide reverb field and oh, yeah and this is all in like a two rack unit space too so it's 11 inches Beautiful. deep yeah. but all like it's it's pretty compact for what you're getting and you got some uh on the uh, youtube you'll have some demos coming up of that yep i believe so oh yeah for everybody interested in hearing how it works uh check that out here very soon this is definitely a laborious thing, though. Like lots of, you know, yeah. cutting your fingers as you're cutting the springs, and boy, like I it's can like imagine you know the ends of guitar strings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, it's like that. You know, when you cut the top of your guitar strings yeah. and you prick your finger on it. Yeah, it's the worst. Definitely remember that in the morning. So yeah, I'm so up. I, I, you know, I I built a few myself, and I'm grateful that we have, you know, a really skilled as- assembler <laughs> doing it right now. So I'm grateful. You have an on-staff surgeon now, so in peace, people get cut up, you can stitch them up, no problem. Yeah, That's good to hear, good to hear. So the reverb unit, I'm glad that has been released. I know people are now wanting to know, are you going to do any more? Because that first batch went pretty quickly. We're, yeah, we still uh, we're still getting a, a couple of strag- late stragglers out, and then we're going to start having them in our regular sales. Oh. And uh and it, yeah, the demand is. You hear that, crazy. peeps? It's going to be a regular item. Oh so yeah, let's hear it. Yo, so yeah, the uh, the reverb unit, the XL three hundred five R, for all you curious people out there, it will be part of the regular stock at audio scapecom Yes, it will. Check the regular inventory updates through our email. Yes, yeah, so know. we're on Instagram, and you know, please keep in mind that. Um, Inventory is uh, due to supply. Yeah. Well, we build in small batches. Yes. So if you see we haven't had something in a while, like like Justin was just mentioning, we don't, you know, we don't we have the materials on hand or there's a shortage of transformers or something's going on, you know, but yeah. we're working on it. Believe me. You know, it's, <laughs> this is the world we live in nowadays. So we're going to make it happen somehow, some way. Yeah, it will oh, yeah. be done for you. Oh, we, yeah, we're making it happen every week, you know. No doubt. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you, Justin. I hope uh, you listeners enjoyed this episode and uh, join us next week as uh, myself, Chris, and Tommy sit down and talk gear talk. Gear talk. Hey, now. All right, you guys Best have a good evening. <laughs>